Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070, You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com. You can send messages to the show at GoForItGain on Twitter, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. While you're there on Twitter, at GoForItGant, give us a follow at GoForItGant. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by one of the stars of uh, a show executively produced, a show that uh, LeBron James is the executive producer of, Survivor's Remorse, which airs on Stars each and every Saturday. 9 o'clock Eastern. Make sure you check it out. Expected to be joined by one of the stars, Jesse Usher. And Jesse is going to talk about the show. Talk about. And good news for Survivor's Remorse. Survivor's Remorse has just been picked up. So there is going to be a season two for Survivor's Remorse. So it just got renewed. And that's always a great time. That's an exciting thing. That's an exciting thing right away. I mean, one episode in the books. And you're already getting renewed for next season, so it's got to be an exciting time for Jesse Usher. Usher, got to be an exciting time for LeBron James. Got to be an exciting time for all everybody associated with that particular uh, project. I mean, so we're going to talk to Jesse Usher, talk about the show, talk about LeBron James and whether or not he's seen LeBron James much on the set, and, and you know, talk about his excitement now that the show has been picked up for another year. You know, you get another season. That's always a big thing. That's always a great thing, especially if you're working. You're working. And nothing like working. Nothing like having a job. Because there are a lot of people in this world without jobs. So Jesse Usher will be joining us at 8.35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you listen in for Jesse Usher as he talks about Survivor's Remorse. Also, Hall of Famer LeBron James, not LeBron James, he is going to be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done, but Hall of Famer Willie Rofe will be joining us, and we're going to get Willie's take on a few things around the league. J.J. Watt, I mean, you look at J.J. Watt and, and, and his abilities, man. I mean, this dude is like, he's like the Deion Sanders of defensive linemen. When he gets the ball in his hands, He's a, he's tough. He it's almost like he's going to score. When he gets the ball in his hands, it's like forget about it. This guy is going to score. I mean that's what it is when you when you talk about uh, JJ Watt, who had a 34 yard fumble return for a touchdown yesterday against the Indianapolis Colts. It wasn't enough. And it's going to be difficult to, for it to be enough when Ryan Fitzpatrick is your quarterback. But we're going to talk to Willie Rofe about that, get his take on J.J. Watt, and, and just, you know, 
it's almost like he's the Deion Sanders of defensive linemen. Whenever it's funny when you used to watch Deion, whenever Deion had the ball in his hands, you thought Deion was going to score. Whenever Deion intercepted the ball, you thought there was a good possibility he was going to score a touchdown. You thought there was a good possibility he was going to take it to the house. And that's what it's almost like when J.J. Watt gets the ball in his hand. Whether it's a fumble recovery, whether it's a pick six, and how about that pick six against E.J. Manuel who just snatched the ball out of the air and just rambled 80 yards. I mean, that's that's big. That's big time. But, you know, J.J. Watt, to me, he's almost like I said, the Deion Sanders of defensive linemen. Every time this dude touches the football, you think this dude could take it to the house. And he touched the football yesterday, scooped it up on a fumble, and he took it to the house. And that's what you think every time J.J. Watt has the football in his hand. Big time. But we're going to talk to Willie about that, get his thoughts on J.J. Watt, get his thoughts on Adrian Peterson, and we're going to start right there with Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, I mean, this guy, you know, if reports are true and seem like they are, well, Adrian Peterson may be going to jail. May be going to jail because Adrian Peterson decided, being he's on bail right now, he's on bail right now, and he decided, that he wanted to smoke some weed. He decided that he wanted to smoke some weed. That's what he decided to do. Now, prosecutors in Texas, Montgomery County, Texas, well, they're looking to, guess what, revoke his bail, rearrest him for for that. They're looking to rearrest him. When you're on bail, you can't smoke weed. You can't do it. You can't do it. Can't do it at all. So now, Adrian Peterson could be going to jail. Could be going to jail. And now this, you know, I don't think Adrian Peterson is going to play this year again. I know he wants a speedy trial, and that trial tentatively has been scheduled for December 1. But I don't think Adrian Peterson is going to play again this year. I think he will play again next season. I definitely think he'll play again. It's just a matter of when. He'll definitely play again. And it all depends. We'll see what happens uh, with his case and whether or not he gets convicted. We'll see if he can if he gets convicted. But if he does get convicted... Well, the possibilities are six months to two years. And there's also a good possibility for probation, being he's a first-time offender. But you wonder now how much discipline he would get under the, the, the personal conduct policy. You wonder what kind of, you wonder what kind of game, how many games he could get for that. And you also wonder what could happen with this latest drug omission, whether or not he's going to be involved in any type of drug program and it seems like he'd be a first defender with that as well in, in terms of the NFL drug program. So I, I just think, you know, I think we'll see Adrian Peterson again. Even as convicted, I think we'll still see Adrian Peterson again. We're going to see him again. 
you wonder now, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, Adrian Peterson, will he ever be a Viking again? I think he'll play football again. But will he ever be a Viking again? If you're the Vikings, what do you do? Well, obviously, he's the best player on your football team. Obviously, he's one of the best running backs in the game, one of the best players, period, in the game. So the reality is, the reality is, I think being at Adrian Peterson has a ton of talent, has a ton of ability, a ton of talent, a ton of ability. Being he has all the all those things, twenty nine years old, still in his prime. Adrian Peterson gets another chance in the NFL, whether it's with the Vikings, I don't know. I think he gets another another shot for sure, for sure. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're Adrian Peterson, you're out on Bell. You know, you, right now your image is taking a big time hit. You got articles coming out about you, talking about your your six baby mamas, six kids with six different women. You know, you got that out there. You got, you know, possible uh, things with your charity. I mean, you got some things out there against you. You got some things out there against you. And so. With that being said, and being that the situation is what it is in the NFL right now where, you know, uh, they're coming down hard on people, and, and the public is none too happy. Sponsors are none too happy with what's going on with Ray Rice. Sponsors are none too happy with what's going on with Adrian Peterson, Jonathan Dwyer, Greg Hardy. Sponsors aren't happy. Fans are talking. There's a lot of unhappy people right now in terms of, of the National Football League and in terms of, you know, how they view some of the players in the National Football League. There are people talking. There are a lot of concerns right now. So, Adrian Peterson, it's probably in your best interest with all the things going on in your life, with the possibility of jail time because of the situation, with this possible abuse of your son. With the possibility of jail time and also the, with, with the negativity flowing around you and some of your players in the National Football League, this is the time where you need to keep things quiet. This is the time where you need to be hiding. This is the time where you need to do what you got to do to stay out of trouble. What you, you need to do what you got to do to keep things quiet. You can't be stirring up no trouble. And by you now allegedly telling the the collector of your sample, your urine sample, look, I just smoked a little weed. That's not a good look, Adrian. It's not a good look. And the reality is, if you're Adrian Peterson, you got to keep your nose clean. And here's the thing about this whole Adrian Peterson thing. Here's the thing about this Peterson situation. If you're Adrian Peterson now, and it, it, it seems like, you know, you read his, his his story in terms of that, that, that story in the Minnesota Star Tribune about some of the things he's doing and done. And, and you know, the, the one thing that's troubling to me is the six kids by the six different women. 
that's reckless. I mean, it's reckless on so many levels in 2014 for you to be going around and having all these different babies by all these different women. It's reckless not to be using protection in 2014 with all these various STDs out there, with AIDS out there. I mean, there's no cure for AIDS. No cure. Magic Johnson's the outlier. There's no cure for AIDS. So you're out there and, and you're reckless. And, and you're making babies with this one and that one, you know, it, it, it becomes reckless behavior. And sometimes in life, we don't stop reckless behavior until something smacks us in the face. We don't stop reckless behavior until situations get really dire. We don't stop reckless behavior until we're forced to stop reckless behavior. And I think Adrian Peterson, you know, having six children by six different women, Adrian Peterson smoking a little weed, you know, being that he's on bail right now and he's smoking weed, knowing he's not supposed to have it, it's reckless. And I think Adrian Peterson's in a situation where old line from an old rap song, Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And I think Adrian Peterson now is going to have an opportunity to check himself and become a better person. No one's perfect. No one is perfect. But at the same time, we got to do better. And I think Adrian Peterson now will have this opportunity to do better. The question becomes, will he take advantage of this opportunity to do better? Football right now is on the back burner. Probably doesn't play again this year. Probably does not play again this year. Football's on the back burner for Adrian Peterson. The question becomes now, does he take advantage of this time? It looks like Michael Vick, his time up in Leavenworth in prison, seemed like he took advantage of that time and has come out, come out seemingly a better person. You never know sometimes, but it seems like he's a better person. Will Adrian Peterson now take this opportunity? He's not in jail, but football right now is on the back burner. Will he take this opportunity this time to become a better person because Adrian Peterson right now is a little reckless. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Let's bring in a guy now, great NFL. The one, the only, Willie Rofe. Willie. How are you doing today? Oh, can you hear me? I think we lost him. We'll try to get him back on. All right, we got him right now, Willie Rose. So, can you hear me? I can hear you, Willie. Yes. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, talking about Adrian Peterson, he's another one we talk about, Paul. You know, he has some problems, a little bit of problems with the youth. You know, his dad was locked up for 10 years, I think, while he was in high school, college. But Adrian Peterson was a prodigy. You know, he's uh, he's been the number one player, was the number one player in the country coming out of high school in Texas. He's, uh, you know, probably was a prodigy since he was the sixth, seventh grade. And, uh, you know, like you said, some of these athletes have been able to get away with a lot of things. And, uh, and uh, you know, he, he has to find another lesson. But uh, 
when you've been a star player since you've been 12, 13 years old and, and you throw top 10 in the draft and you're a star player in the NFL, you know, um, he probably hasn't had the answer to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, now he has a chance to grow up and learn from this. Hopefully he will. But, uh, you know, it's just a sad situation, you know, when you, you think that you you would know better than to be doing, you know, smoking a little weed when you know that they're, you know, you're, you're on bail right now. This is this is more serious than he's taking it for. And uh, he better take it a little more serious because, you know, uh, he could end up getting some time because of this. And, uh, like you said, hopefully he becomes a better person. But, uh I think right now, Paul, he's still collecting his game check, if I'm not mistaken, for this year. For sure. He is. He is. Definitely is. And he will be probably for the rest of the year. So he's he's good in terms of that. It's just you just got to be better. You got to be smarter. Like we're saying, I mean, you can't – you're not above the law. And right now you're you're not you're, – there's a good chance that – I mean, there's a chance that you, you could do time. I mean, there's, there, that is the reality a slight chance. of the situation. That's like chance. I don't think he will. Honestly, I don't think he will, but there's always a possibility. I don't think he does time. I think that's going to be very difficult to prove that his intent, that he had evil intent. I think that's going to be hard to prove. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. His trial is tentatively scheduled for December 1st. Let me ask you this. I mean, you, you're, you've been an NFL player. You, you've been a top, big-time NFL player. You know, you've been at the height of the game, top of the game. Does it happen sometimes where – you know, you become so great as a football player that you almost forget the person, who you are. Do you almost forget to work on Willie Rope the person instead of Willie Rope the football player? You know, I think you go through times in your life when you go through some experiences, and I went through some tough times while I was playing where you have to grow up. I mean, you have to grow up. Now, I was not a star player by any stretch of the word. Growing up in high school, I was only all-conference. I barely got recruited, so... Going to lose that attack, having to earn respect, you know, it teaches you a few things. But when you've got like Adrian Peterson, who's probably been a star player since he, the best player on his team all throughout from the from little league on, and he's been a star player, you know, when I, like I said, either the top player in the country or one of them, you know, coming out going to Oklahoma. I mean, he's always been, you know, held to, a, you know, people been praising him the whole time. So I think he, he probably, you know, for him, he has been – you know, got 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 able to do stuff and always has been the man for his whole life. So, you know, it's hard for him to understand anything other than what he's been able to do and and, and everywhere he's gone. You know, they've pretty much taken care of stuff for him. For sure, we're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofen. Well, I got to ask you this: We saw J.J. Watt last night, 34-yard fumble return. We we seen this guy with that 80-yard intercept interception return against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a few weeks ago, Th- this guy—it's almost like—and I said this before you came on. This guy is almost like the Deion Sanders of defensive linemen. Anytime, like in the past, anytime you saw Deion with the ball, you thought there was a good possibility he would score. It, it, what do you? I mean, uh, talk about that. Is JJ Watt becoming the Deion Sanders of defensive well, linemen? JJ Watt is a is a is a great player. He's an outstanding player. But I will say this: if not as many great players. Like him around. When I came in the league, you had Reggie, you had DT, you had, uh, you know, Kevin Green, you had Dolman. You know, everybody had a star player that was, you know, Kevin Green, you had, uh, everybody had some outstanding defensive linemen. I just don't think J. 
J.J. Watts, if he had played in the 90s, he would have been an outstanding great. He would have been a great player then, but he would have been a lot more great players. Than, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's athletic. Reggie was not as athletic as J.J. is. But I'm saying to his caliber of play, there would have been a lot more players. I just don't think he's, he's you know, he, he's an outstanding great football player. And he's coming into his own. I mean, he, I think he's just not starting to understand how to play the game. I mean, he's only been in the league a few years. He's 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 at the time where he's supposed to be the best player in the league. You know, he's in his prime years, and he's just not starting the game and slowing down to him. And he's a he's a great player. And um, like I said, you know, it's a different day and age. I just don't think it's as many outstanding players like him in the league like it was in the '90s. You know, you had a whole bunch of guys that were. Um, you know, outstanding, outstanding football players, all decade guys that were playing back then, and it's just not as good. But JJ watches, uh, you know, for his size, what he's able to do, and you know, that's Bruce Smith go up and down the Reggie White. They would go up and down the line and and take different guys on, and he he picks, he goes and picks a guy out, and and Reggie cannot run ETs because he wasn't as athletic as far as trying to run twists and games, and JJ has quick feet also, so you know, you know, he's more of a um, you know, quick like a Bruce Smith guy with that size and that power. I mean, he, I mean, he's an unbelievable player. He, he, if he continues, he will go down as he should go down as one of the all-time greats at, at the pace he's going. Could could uh, Hall of Famer Willie Rofe handle J.J. Watt? Uh, yeah, I would have. It would have been a good battle. I mean, you know, I, you know, he's an outstanding player. I played right tackle one year, so you know, I only played on the right side. My rookie, yeah, I played pretty good against Reggie. Uh, like I said, I don't think Reggie. I think JJ Watts is gonna give you. He's gonna beat you. It, I could have got handled play with JJ, but JJ is gonna beat. He's gonna beat any lineman some plays in the game. You're not gonna stop him the whole game. He's just not one of those guys. that's just like playing against Mike Rucker or Chuck or some of the outstanding players. Reggie, you know, you're not gonna beat them the whole game. They're gonna beat you some plays. It's just a matter of if the quarterback won't get rid of it before before he gets to jump on you sometime. But as fast as he gets up the field with his power, I still think he can he can implement that hump move Reggie did a little more, you know, and, 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 and work on some more moves. And I think he'll be better, Paul. But he, like I said, he's a great player and he's learned how to play the game. But for a guy that big to be that athletic, that's that's the, you know, you just that's a rare combination. That's like a Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Paul. I remember Reggie White when he used to that little move, that bar, little bar, and just throw the guy down, just throw him right out the way. Like, he wasn't even mm-hmm. there. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, the humble. The humble. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was amazing, amazing, some of the things Reggie White used to do throughout the course of his career. I mean, great off, great defensive lineman. Let me ask you this now, Willie. Michael Vick, you know, we saw him last week against the uh, San Diego Chargers when Geno Smith was ineffective. Michael Vick came in the second half. Wasn't much better, 8 for 20 for 47 yards. Actually pretty awful in that game. But he admitted this week, he said, quote, I felt like I, for some reason, being a quarterback in the 12th year, sometimes you take things for granted. I think I took the scout team for granted. Maybe I didn't prepare or I wasn't prepared, but but let me tell you, it won't happen again. So basically he's saying he didn't take scout team very serious this week, and he might have not been prepared because of it. If you're a teammate of Michael Vick, you heard him say that, what would you think? What would be your thoughts? Well, let's let's go back. Let's go back to the Philadelphia days. 
Michael Vick got beat up in Philly. I mean, he had, I mean, I don't know the stats, the first year or two he played real good. After that, he was getting beat up out there trying to make it through. And then the one year when he set out a few games, he came back and played good after they let him rest. But but let's let's be let's be realistic. I thought he was I thought he was pretty much done. I, you thought you thought he might stay in Philly. I knew that he was going to be out of Philly, and physically his body's beat up. I mean, he needed a year to take off. Now he he's the backup quarterback. He's watching Geno play every week. Everybody knows Geno's not playing good. He's got to know that they're going to put him in. So I don't understand how you're not prepared to play. I know he's tired and he needs and that body needs a rest. But uh, the way Geno's been playing, he had to know that eventually they were going to put him in, and he's a pro. He's been in the league 12 years. He's got to be ready to play. If he wants to keep a job, you know, like I said, what is he making four or five million this year, uh, you know, that probably will go down. But I'm, uh, I'm saying if he wants to keep a job at the backup, then you've got to produce when you get a chance to play. Uh, you're not going to stay in the league too much longer. So, you know, I think he needs to come out and, and, and play well. But, I mean, I would think after 12 years and everything he's been through in the league that he would have been prepared mentally and physically to play, which he wasn't. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. But look at how Geno's been playing. I mean, they, they could have thrown him in a couple weeks ago. I always thought, I mean, I thought they should have thrown him in as the starter last week. I mean, I, I, I look at Geno Smith. To me, Geno Smith reminds me a lot of Quincy Carter. I mean, you know, he's just, he's erratic. He's, you know, he's not the most accurate. It, it, he's just, to me, not a starting caliber NFL quarterback. I, I just don't see it. I mean, he's he's still young, but I don't see it. I mean, I don't know if you see it. I don't see it when it comes to Geno Smith. Well, I, I mean, I don't it. get to see him play as much because he plays on uh, obviously on on the East Coast, so we don't see him play that often. So I mean, I I, I know he's been erratic and he's been up and down, just like uh, EJ Manuel. They set him down, but you know they got Kyle Orton, who's a proven quarterback who had some real good years with the Denver Broncos uh, before going off to what is going to Kansas City and then Chicago. But uh, Kyle Orton had some good years with Denver. But like I said, he. Uh, Gino's been struggling, struggled last year, son, but uh, last year also. So Michael Vick should have been prepared to go in there and be ready to play. You know, I mean, I, I know he didn't think he was just going to take the year off this year and, and collect that check and send it to backup. I know he would have liked to, but he's got to play now. For sure, and, and we'll see what the Jets do moving forward. But Gino Smith, to me, is is not the answer for that. He's young, and we'll see what happens. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Ruff. Willie, I want to ask you this, NFC East and – you know, we we looked at the NFC East at the beginning of the year, and we said, well, a lot of people said it was the Eagles and everybody else. I was one who was a little different on that. I actually thought the Cowboys were the best team in the NFC East, and I thought the Cowboys was going, were going to win the NFC East, and I still think the Cowboys are going to win the NFC East. The Cowboys are 4-1, the Eagles are 4-1. I look at the Eagles, I watch their games close, and I see a team that's getting lucky. They got lucky against the Colts. They, they they're They're finding ways to beat teams, and Nick Foles isn't really playing the best, turning the football over a lot. And I look at the Cowboys, they're 4-1, and, one and, and and they're playing some good football. You know, and they beat, the Cowboys have beat some decent teams along the way. And, you know, I, I look at this team, I mean, they beat, well, they beat New Orleans. That's their only decent team they beat. <laughs> but, well, I mean, they, as a whole. They, 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 beat, they beat the Texans last week. The Texans were playing well. Uh, the Texans, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is their quarterback. The Texans are okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick is their quarterback. I, I really don't read much into the Texans. But like you said, Texans are a 500 football team, so they're a decent football team. 
what do you how do you see the NFCs? Are the Eagles and Cowboys uh, are they for real? Are those teams for real? And, and is is the NFC East better than we thought it would be? I mean, the Giants are playing better too. Yeah, I think it is better, and I think the Giants are playing better. Eli's starting to settle down. I agree with you, Philly. Philly turns the ball over too much, so I would I would I would go out and say to. Right now, the way the Cowboys are playing, they are the best team in the NFC. So I'm, I'm, and I'm going to tell you another reason why. You got Des Bryant, you got Witten, but the other kid, Terrence Williams, I've seen him play. And he, this kid is playing. They got some weapons on their offensive side of the ball. The, the line is playing good. Their defense has stepped up and, and played better than everybody expected. But uh, watch that kid number eighty three. I mean, he's 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 really turning into a real real good receiver. Other than Des Bryant, that kid makes a lot of plays for them. And, and offensive line, I mean, Tyron Smith anchoring that offensive line. That Cowboys offensive line is playing some big-time football right now. And DeMarco Murray over 600, at 690 yards, I mean, leading the league. And, and, and and right. I, I, don't know, I don't know if you can look at the stat, uh, Paul, but have that line been together? Were they together last year and this year? When you get a line that's been together for a couple of years and they're starting to click and they got that experience, and when you get the same core group out there, they, I think they stay. I don't know how healthy they stayed healthy, but uh, if they stay healthy and keep it going, right now that's that's probably the best line playing in the league right now. But when you get guys that have been around each other and played together for a while and they stay healthy, that's going to be a recipe for a real good offensive line. And, and I think pretty much it's the same guys that were there last season. To your point, and and you know the continuity obviously obviously is there with that Cowboy offensive line, and they're playing some big time football. Should be interesting to see. To me, it's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys do against against Seattle in Seattle this weekend. That should tell us some things about the Cowboys, about how good they truly are. I mean, going into Seattle, Seattle's a tough place to play. The Seahawks are a totally different team in Seattle. I mean, just a totally different team. And so it should be interesting to see what the Cowboys do in Seattle. I want to ask you this. Go to boxing there for a moment. Your boy, your Arkansas boy, Jermaine Taylor, IVF. Middleweight champion again. <laughs> happy about that? Not happy about it. Uh, you know, he's been through some controversy. You know, I'm a little worried, worried for him because I, I think he had what they said probably had bleeding on the brain here recently yeah. in, the, in the last fights. So when you start getting bleed, bleeding on the brain, brain, you need to watch yourself out there in the boxing ring. But uh, I'm happy he won. I know he's got some, some his, he's got some stuff going on right now, some legal issues and. Uh, I just want I want him to be safe and I and I want him to uh you know to, to finish his career on a good note and not get injured. Um uh and uh like I said, he, he you know, for a while there in Arkansas when he was on top, you know, he was the talk of Little Rock and everybody was so proud of him. He still wears those red back shorts and He's another one that can tell you, you know, when you when you start losing and start going wrong, and you and you got that entourage with you, 15, 20 guys, and the money's gone, you know, then then the guys disappear. And uh, I think I think he's had some valuable lessons he's had to learn and uh, and grow up. And uh, like I said, um, I just don't want to see I, I don't want to see him get hurt. And uh, I saw Chad Chad Dawson fought a couple of weeks ago too, and I and I saw the table that. And, you know, he fought okay. He doesn't look like the same Chad Dawson because the fight before that, I think he came in like 20, 30 pounds heavy, you know, mm-hmm. during the fight. He weighed, you know, 220 or something. I don't remember what it was, but he was real heavy. But he looked okay. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, like I said, boxing is a real tough, tough sport. He just want to see them guys get out okay and not have any damages when they, when they, when they leave that sport. 
Well, you got your 501 boy who's got got the IEBF belt again, and that's going to be, uh, you know, your Arkansas boy. So it's got to be good for you to to see. But we'll see. Well, I'm I mean, I'm a five love. We eight seven zero. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I I would like you said the bleeding on the brain. That's always scary, especially when you start uh, fighting, you know, the, the top guys in the sport. And you know, exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, Willie. Pleasure talking to you, man. Nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Look forward to doing it again. And uh, it's been it's been a tough year, you know, interesting year. Everything seems to kind of be settling down around the commissioner, and uh, at least we're not talking about all these other issues uh, off the field anymore. And so I'm, I'm glad about that. And now we can just worry about football, and hopefully these these guys can stay out of some trouble. What about, what about your Saints? You okay with them? I mean, you know, they they beat the Bucks, but uh, it wasn't I mean, really they, 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 they had to come back from 11 down in the fourth quarter, man. They were down 11 at Tampa Bay. Drew Brees, he threw more picks than touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, are you supposed to do that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Should you be dominating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home? Well, I mean, I, you're I, home. I think, you're, in, think, you're in the dome. Well, 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 Tampa Bay went on the road and won a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? They're getting they, – Lovey Smith's a good coach. They're going to get better. I just think that the, that the Saints needed to send a message, and, and, and you shouldn't have to come from 11 down to beat Tampa Bay. No, that's that's tough. But like we said, you can't you can't throw three picks either. For sure. Let me ask you this, though. You, you, it looks like the Saints' defense is pretty much the defense that we saw two years ago. So, I mean, is this going to be the way it's going to be with the Saints defense? They're going to give up a lot of points, and the Saints offense is pretty much going to have to outscore teams in order for this team to win? I think so. And and, 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 and how, I know Jimmy Graham left the game. But how, what's his status? Let's check Jimmy Graham. I, I think he is. I think he's probable. Don't quote me on that, but I think he's probable. Let me check that, double-check that. But, you're right. I mean, obviously, if Jimmy Graham is not 100%, that's that's another issue, especially, especially, especially since your off your defense can't stop anybody. That's an issue when you can't stop people. You can't stop. Well, New Orleans is on a bye this week, so he's, whatever it is, he's got time to rest up. So you know, well, he's, he's got chance to rest up. They got to fix some things. They got to get better and fix some things. And like I said, I mean, when we're talking about uh, Bird, I mean, they're on the bye week. He had a, another week to let that meniscus, if he's going to have surgery, to heal up. I mean, I don't want to go back on that subject again, but I mean, you you, you put the guy on IR and, and it's a bye week coming up and he didn't play last week. I mean, he had two or three weeks before he was going to even have to play after having that thing cleaned out. Well, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but he's on IR right now, and he's not coming back. No, he's not coming back. So we'll see what happens, but we gotta stop turning the ball over. I don't care if the defense does play better; you can't keep turning the ball over. For sure, for sure. You turn the ball over, you're gonna have a hard time winning in this league, especially if your defense can't stop anybody. Especially. So we'll see what happens. Pleasure, Willie. All right, thanks for having me. All right. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe, getting his take on all things the NFL, all things the National Football League. Jimmy Graham, you know, the Saints, fortunately for them, their best player, offensive player, Jimmy Graham, well, second best offensive player behind Drew Brees, but Jimmy Graham, 
is at this point, he suffered a shoulder injury last week. And, you know, Sean Payton says we'll see whether or not Jimmy Graham will play next week. But they're on bye this week. Much needed bye, especially with Jimmy Graham, you know, all beat up and everything. But the Saints, you know, it's it's reminiscent of two years ago when Sean Payton was on the sideline. Well, he was gone. He was banished at that point. It's very reminiscent of that because you look at this team, this New Orleans Saints team, and they're not stopping people. They're not. They're not stopping people. Tampa Bay puts up a 31 spot against them. So they're not stopping people. And they're 29th in points allowed defensively. That's not good. Yeah, that that's bad. You're giving that's bad. You know, so you're not getting it done. You're not getting it done. You're 26 and yards allowed. You're not getting it done. If you're not, it's just not bottom line. And and I thought that was one of the reasons I picked the Saints. Going back to their defense, one of the reasons I picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl was because of their defense. I kind of knew what you were going to get on the offensive side of the ball with Drew Brees and and those guys, Jimmy Graham and those guys. But I was concerned about the – I mean, I was concerned, but I, I thought the defensive side of the ball was going to be improved. I thought it was going to be improved. And as of right now, this defense is not playing very well. This defense – is not stopping people. They're not stopping people. They're not stopping people at all. It's ridiculous. And I thought because that defense was better, I thought the defense would improve, and I thought the defense, well, not not improve per se, but be what they were a year ago. I thought the Saints' defense was going to be that, and they're not. They're not stopping people. They're not. Tampa Bay goes into the dome, puts up 31 points, 24 points. But Drew, to Willie's point, Drew Brees has got to stop turning the football over. Six picks for Drew Brees. It's a lot of interceptions this early in the season. He's got to stop turning the football over, especially your defense being what it is. Especially with your defense having a hard time stopping people. You got to stop turning the football over. You can't turn the football over with that type of defense. And then let's be honest you can't turn the football over, period, if you want to be successful in the National Football League. You can't. Can't do it. Especially not from your best player. Drew Brees is the Saints' best player. You need your best player to be better. You need your best player to to protect the football. And look at the Saints. Let's look at the Saints. We look at them in 2013. Look at the Saints' defense in 2013 in terms of points per game. And that's the most important stat to me. 2013, they were giving up 19 points a game. 2013, 19 points a game. Let's fast forward now to 2014. Well, that 19 points is up to now almost 10 points more per game at 28 points per game. So nine more points per game. And the NFL, the NFL games are close. They're close games. It, it, it only comes down 
to a few plays here and a few plays there, which can, can change the fate of a football game, which can change whether or not you win or lose. And, and we look at the Saints. We, we look at their, their losses. Again, they're giving up an average of nine more points per game. Lost three points, came to Atlanta, lost by three, lost by two to Cleveland, blown out by Dallas. So you take away those nine points, and pretty much the, the New Orleans Saints would be four and one. They'd be four and one if you take away some of those bad games. If you ta- if the defense were playing on the level that they were playing at a year ago, they would be much better. They'd be a better football team. They got to get that defense right. And in order for the Saints to get to where they want to go, and that is to a Super Bowl. And in order for the Saints to fulfill my prediction, well, they got to play better football. And and then they got to play better defensively. If they're not going to play better defensively, then the Saints are going to struggle throughout the course of this season. There's just no getting around that. They will struggle. And they're right now two and three, right now in their bye week. And judging by the way the Saints play on the road, this is a team that probably is going to need some kind of home field advantage if they want to make a deep run in these playoffs. And we, when the Saints won the Super Bowl a few years back, they were home. They had the best record in the NFC. They had home field advantage. They don't get to the Super Bowl if they don't have home field advantage or if they don't have the helper Brett Favre throwing an improbable interception. But the bottom line is this. They're not in this position, excuse me, they're not in a position to win a Super Bowl years ago if they don't have home field advantage. And I think the same is going to be said this year. They got to play better, and and they got to turn this thing around. Should be interesting to see what happens. I mean, their next, well, look at the schedule. Other than, well, at Detroit, after the bye week, week seven at Detroit, home to Green Bay, at Carolina, home to San Francisco, home to Cincinnati, home to Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, home to Carolina, at Chicago, home to Atlanta, and then they can finish the year at Tampa Bay. Their next two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven games is going to be tough. They're going to, it's going to be tough. And you look at their next eleven games, and you're saying this team it was it's probably or probably in the best interest of this ball club to get off to a better start because their next 11 is going to be tough detroit is a good football team can't believe they lost to buffalo but they're a good football team green bay is a good football team carolina is a good football team san francisco is a good football team cincinnati is a good football team Baltimore's turned out to be a good football team. Pittsburgh, at this point, an above 500 football team. Carolina, again, good football team. Chicago, is a, is a, you know, Jay Cutler's got to clean up some of his, his his interceptions and some of his mistakes. But Chicago's still a tough football team. They're still a good football team. Again, Jay Cutler has to clean it up a little bit. But the weapons they have on the Bears, they're going to put up points. They're a good football team. They're 2-3. and three. 
but they're a good football team. And I want to go back to what I said last week. And last week, we talked about it. Um, I talked about last week with the Bills and the Jets. And the Jets made the decision to stick with Geno Smith. Ultimately, they turned to Michael Vick in the second half, and Michael Vick wasn't that great, as we said. And as we said, he wasn't didn't prepare the way he should have prepared. But Michael Vick was not great. He was awful last week. And the Jets, as a team, were awful as they went out to San Diego and pretty much got stopped. They got stopped. Stopped. Stopped out. But I look at it. I look at it. And I see the whole and, – and conversely, Buffalo goes to Kyle Orton. And plays decent football. You know, last two times Kyle Orton has started, he's thrown for over 300 yards at both starts. Last game against the Philadelphia Eagles, he threw for over 300 yards. And then this week, against uh, last week against the Detroit Lions, which is a pretty good defense in Detroit, Kyle Orton throws for 308 yards. 308 yards for Kyle Orton. So, and I was, here's the thing, that was a move I was against. I was against the Kyle Orton move. I, I thought, you know what, let E.J. Manuel stay in there, try to get better. I thought it was a panic move. But after one week, the move looks good. Looks good after one week. I, I can't, I have nothing to say. After one week, you know, Kyle Orton throws for over 300 yards, goes into Detroit, and he was helped. I mean, he definitely was helped by Alex Henry, who lost his job, and rightfully so. Alex Henry lost his job in the preseason to, uh, in Philadelphia to Cody Parkey. And I look at that whole situation with Alex Henry. Alex Henry, when he kicked anything around 46, 47, 48 yards and above, you're holding your breath when it comes to Alex Henry. You are holding your breath with Alex Henry. You're holding your breath. And and I was holding my breath a lot last year as a Philadelphia Eagles fan watching Alex Henry. I'm just happy that wasn't my situation or my issue this year as the Eagles decided to go with Cody Parkey. And Cody Parkey has turned out to be a pretty decent kicker. He's turned out to be pretty decent. But Alex Henry, he misses three field goals. Three field goals. And, you know, that's part of the reason why the Detroit Lions lost. So they got some help. Uh, Kyle Warren definitely got some help. But I can't take away for 308 yards, 30 for 43, one touchdown, one pick. I can't do it. I mean, Alex Henry missed all three field goals. All three field goals that he took, including a 50-yarder. He helped. He helped them. Three missed field goals. You can't have that and expect to win. And, you know, there's three phases to every football game. Three phases. Three phases. Offense, defense, and special teams. Well, Alex Henry didn't take care of the special teams part. He was one for five. One for five. That's not good. That's not good at all. One for five. And and when you're 
one for five, that's unacceptable. And here's the thing. Here's the chart on Alex Henry this year. I mean, this guy, I mean, here's here's the thing. He missed two field goals from 40 and 49 and three from 50 and beyond. That was the thing with Alex Henry. You couldn't trust Alex Henry to hit those field goals. Like I said, those field goals in a range of of 40, about 47, 48, and above, you couldn't trust him. And bottom line is, he wasn't that good with the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, he didn't make the field goals that he needed to make. He was off, well... He made he missed some kicks against he missed a kick against the Saints, which was big in the playoffs. It was big. It's un, it's inexcusable. You can't you can't you can't defend it. It's inexcusable. Very makeable field goals. And he missed three for the Detroit Lions, and the Detroit Lions he, he cost them a football game. He cost them a football game. So at that point, you knew after those misses that it was done for Alex Henry. You knew his career in, in, in Detroit was done. You knew it. You knew it was done. And and so Alex Henry now is looking for a job. Matt Prater has a job. And Alex Henry's probably, this, this is my guess, Alex Henry's probably going to have to sit it out for the rest of this season and probably, probably is going to have to 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 go to somebody's training camp next year and, and fight for a job. For his sake, hopefully he gets an invite. Hopefully he gets an invite. But three field goals is just unacceptable. Unacceptable. Just unacceptable, man. Unacceptable for 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 your kicker to miss three field goals and your team lose in seventeen or fourteen. That that's got to stab you in the heart as a football team. That that's got to stab you in the heart. That's got to stab you, and I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that Alex Henry knew that his time was going to be up. I'm sure the moment he missed that 51-yarder in the cell left, I'm sure he knew that his time in Detroit was done. And I'm sure he knew on some level that maybe his time in the NFL, at least for this season, was done. I'm sure he knew. I'm sure he knew. And and points, it's, it's hard. It's hard. When you miss four out of five attempts and they go 0 for 3 in a game, it's going to be hard to to keep a job. It's going to be hard to keep a job. And Alex Henry, bless his heart, but you can't lose three field goals. You can't miss three field goals in one game and expect to have a job, and that's the bottom line when it comes to Alex Henry or any kicker in the National Football League. You miss three field goals, you're going to have a tough job, tough tough chance of – Staying in this league. That's the bottom line. Let's go to college football now. Todd Gurley. 
Todd Gurley, as we know, might be suspended according to reports. He might be going for the year. And this is because he allegedly took some money for autographs. Uh, you know, he's, he's memorabilia. You know, he's, he's, he's selling his likeness on some level, signing autographs and things of that nature. And here's the thing. We saw this last year with with Johnny Manziel and, and that whole situation. We saw this. We saw it. And, and the bottom line is this. I mean, you know, I know the NCAA has their rules, and I know the NCAA, you know, has to, to on some level enforce their rules, and I, and I get it. I understand it. And Todd knows, Todd Gurley knows, that he can't sell autographs, can't do it, can't accept money for it. He knows it. He knows the situation. He knows the deal. Is it right? No, it's not right at all. I mean, these coaches are making money, athletic directors, these schools are making money, and the only people not making money, yes, they get a scholarship, the only people not making money, yes, they get some room and board, they get fed, but as we saw with Shabazz Napier, sometimes they go hungry. They can't work. Their only job, they can't work. Only thing they can do is play football. So Todd Gurley can't do it. Can't do it. Johnny Manziel comes out in support of him. He comes out in support of him. He says, I feel for him. Johnny Manziel went on to say, he built an image for himself. He built someone of a brand. I feel he should be able to capitalize off of it. I don't think the NCAA rules are going to change anytime soon. It's an ongoing for student-athletes problem in college athletics. Johnny Manziel tweeted. Tweet it out. Free Gurley. Free Gurley at TG3. Johnny Manziel went on to say, I think college football is at a big crossroads right now with how much money college football in particular is bringing in for the universities, for the network, for the SEC, for everything. Then there are players walking out with $800 scholarship check a month. It's there. There is something to it that just it just seems not right. It just seems not right. It really does. It just does not seem right that guys like a Todd Gurley who who can make a lot of money for the university, it, it just doesn't seem right that he can't capitalize on it on some level. It's just autographs. Uh, you, you think he'd be able to, they could figure out something for him to make some money off of it. You know, I mean, something. You would think they'd be able to do something. Something. You would think they would be able to do something. I mean, they got to come up with something. Because you can't blame these guys. If everybody around you is making money off of you on some level, why can't you make money off of you? It's almost like they own his likeness. Why can't you make money off of you? And in some respect, that's all he was doing. Making money off of him. Making money off of his abilities. Making money off of that. And granted, you can argue, well, Georgia gives him the stage, and if he doesn't have that stage, 
well, he doesn't have the opportunity to get autographs, and I think that's a fair point. He doesn't. He doesn't. But it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make the, the situation right. It doesn't make it fair. It's not fair that Todd Gurley, you know, is, 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 is making all this money for the university, bringing all this dough in for the university, making the university happy. Making the university happy. And to me, and I get that, but to me, he, his abilities is, is is making the University of Georgia money. His ability is making them money. He's making them money. The SEC, you got the SEC network coming into play. They're making money off of that, a lot of money. Everybody's making money except the players just doesn't seem right. I get it. I get it. But the NCAA, as Johnny Manziel pointed out, and I think it's a fair point, they're at a crossroads. And something has to give. Something has to give. And something has to happen. I mean, you, you can't, it's just not fair that these guys who bring in all this money for the university I mean the coaches are the coaches have no loyalty. And you know and, and what I mean by that they can go from this place to that place sign with this, you know, go to this team and that team whenever they want to do it. And then they leave the players stranded. Leave the players high and dry. Well, some players, you know, I, I signed up to be in your system. I signed up to be coached by you. And now you left. Now I can't be coached by you. Now I can't play in a system that I thought would be uh, uh, effective for me, that I thought would be geared towards my skill set, that I thought would be geared toward what I bring to the table. You thought all these things before you signed on to the dotted lines, before you decided to go to that school. You wanted to play in a system. You want to play for a certain coach. And then that coach leaves. He doesn't have to sit out a year like you do if you leave. That coach leaves. Doesn't have to sit out a year. Moves on with his life. It's not fair. It's just not fair. Coaches, big time money in college football. Big time money. The players making nothing. They're getting education. And again, I don't have I don't have the answers on what they could do to make it better. I don't claim to have the answers. But I'm saying it has to be better than what we see right now. Like it's like healthcare on some level. I don't have the answers in terms of what we can do to make sure everybody has to have health care. But something had to give it had to be better. It had to be better. It has to be better. And I, that's what I look at with this college football system. I don't have the answers, but it has to be better. It's unfair. You can understand why guys cheat. You can understand why guys do what they got to do to maximize and get as much money as possible. Who knows what could happen with Todd Gurley? This could be, I mean, he looks like he's going to be a, a big-time player on the next level. But this could be the biggest, I mean, this 
he might struggle on the next level. He may never turn into the big-time player that he wants to be on the next level. So this might be the best that it gets for Todd Gurley. It might be. I doubt that it is. I guess the the, the good thing is, well, uh, and, and I always believe this, enough, a, a football player's body only has so many hits in it. They're, they only get to take so many hits. So now Todd Gurley has an opportunity on some level to rest his body. You know, the NFL, the running back takes a pounding. By the age of 30, some running backs are considered done. Already on, on the other side of things. And the way the running back is, is not really valued too much in the NFL too much anymore. So a guy like Todd Gurley, again, the body only has so many hits in it. Only so many hits. And at some point, you just run out of hits. And the body gives way. The body can't take it anymore. It slows you down. You only have so many hits. Only so many. So the point I'm trying to make is, now Todd Gurley has an opportunity to rest the body. He has an opportunity to get the body healthy. has an opportunity to get the body at maximum. You know, it, it, it's you're not taking hits on that body. So the body rests. The body rests. Heals up, because we all know these guys get banged up on any level. You're running back. You're taking hits. You're taking hits. So you're going to get banged up. So now he has an opportunity to rest the body. I mean, there's a bright side to it. There's a bright side to everything. There's a, there's a, there's a good side and a bad side to everything. The good side. The bad side is Todd Gurley can't play, and I know he's a football player. Football players like to play. He likes to play. The bad side is, I mean, the good side is, well, Todd gets an opportunity to rest his body. Todd gets an opportunity to get his body healthy. Todd has an opportunity now to just, you know, get that body healed and ready for that next level. Because he's going to probably skip his, his senior season. He's probably going to the pros after this year. There's no reason to stay. Your body only has so many hits, and there's no reason to stay. Why stay? Why stay? No reason to stay. No reason to stay. And so if I'm Todd Gurley, I look at the bright side of it all. The bright side of it all. The bright side of it all. Is that your body now has an opportunity to rest? Your body has an opportunity to, you know, you just have an opportunity to recoup and, and just become a better football player, maybe, because your body is out there and your body's at optimum level and your body's not beat up after a full college season. So it's not a bad thing in a bad situation for Todd Gurley. But the NCAA, we have to do better. Something has got to give. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now.
welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can have married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Rocky. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Second hour of Go For It. Starting right now. In this hour, we're expected to be joined by... One of the stars of Survivor's Remorse, Jesse Usher. And, and right now, the show, big news for the show, as was said at the beginning of the show, but the big news for this show, got picked up for a second season. LeBron James is the executive producer of this show, one of the executive producers of this show. And again, the show is picked up for a second season. That's big. That's huge news for, for anybody associated with the show. And it's huge news for Jesse Usher, so kudos to him, and he will be joining us at 8.35. So great second hour up, coming up for you to listen to. Make sure you stick around and listen to this second hour. Jesse Usher from Survivor's Remorse will be joining us today. Let's go now to baseball. The ALCS gets started tonight. And, you know, it's been an improbable situation, an improbable situation. The Kansas City Royals, and if I polled most of you at the beginning of the year, there's no way you would have told me that the Kansas City Royals would have been the ALCS. You may have said the Baltimore Orioles would have been here, but there's no way you would have said the KC Royals would have been here. No way. And if you said you said it, you're a liar, a liar, big-time liar. But anyway, the Kansas City Royals and the Baltimore Orioles, and the Royals, it, it's just been improbable. It, it's been improbable. A team that didn't hit home runs during the regular season hitting some home runs in the playoffs. Uh, a team that, you know, down 7-3 to three to the Oakland A's, a good bullpen in Oakland, John Lester on the mound. I mean, you, you figure there's no way that the Kansas City Royals would be at this point, and they found a way to get to this point. You know, down 7-3 to three in the playing game, they went 8-7. to seven. Now they and they beat the team, you know they beat the Anaheim Angels, Anaheim Angels. I mean the team best record in baseball, best record in baseball, and you go in there and you beat the Anaheim Angels three straight. I mean you beat the best team in baseball record wise three straight times. That's saying something. That's saying something. And and so this Royals team right now, I guess you can say they're peaking. Baltimore Baltimore did the same thing. I mean, they, they, they beat up on the Tigers, took advantage of that leaky Tiger bullpen, like other teams have taken advantage of that leaky Tiger bullpen over the years. And they've gotten to this point. 
I mean, there we we haven't seen this type of excitement in Baltimore and in Kansas City since really. I mean, I'd say the '80s. George Brett and and, and Charlie Liebrand and Brett Saberhagen. Conversely, Baltimore, Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray. Those boys. You haven't seen this type of excitement in these two cities in terms of baseball in a mighty long time. So who goes on? Who advances? Here's the thing about the sport of baseball. I think that the the Orioles are probably the more talented baseball team. But here's the thing about baseball. Here's the thing about baseball. The more talented team doesn't always win in the sport. It just doesn't happen all the time. And I say this to you all the time, the sport of baseball, the more talented team doesn't always win. The sport of football, the most, the most talented team doesn't always win. The sport of hockey, the most talented team doesn't always win. sport of basketball in the NBA, the most talented team always wins. The most talented team always wins. doesn't happen in baseball. I mean, the, best, the team with the best record in baseball is out in the first round, three-game sweep. Best record in baseball. Best record in baseball. And you're out. Three-game sweep. You're sent home. And you're sent home by the Kansas City Royals. So the Royals, they're right now playing some big-time baseball. They're getting it done. They're doing the improbable. They're doing the improbable. No one expected them to be here. No one expected them to be here. But they're here. And and they're making a big time noise. They're making big time noise. Big time noise. Big time noise in these playoffs. Big time noise. Timely hitting. Timely pitching. And that's what it comes down to in baseball, timely hitting and timely pitching. The Royals are getting timely hitting and they're getting timely pitching. But I like Baltimore in this series. I just think Baltimore is a better baseball team. And I think the Baltimore Orioles are equally as hot, if not more hot, than the Kansas City Royals. I like Baltimore here. And it's funny, in the regular season, these teams did it the opposite way. Kansas City, small ball. Baltimore, Home runs. That's what they were about. That's what they were about. But I like Baltimore to win the ALCS. I like the Baltimore Orioles to get back to the World Series. First time since what? 83? Long time. Long time. So I expect the Baltimore Orioles to get back. And and I think they're the better baseball team. And, again, as I, as I said, the better baseball team doesn't always win. But I think the better baseball team will win in this particular situation. I really do. So I like the Baltimore Orioles to win this one in the ALCS. And who will they face? Who will they face? We look at the NLCS. And the NLCS is is all too familiar, it seems, with the Giants and the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, these two teams, you can't bet against these two teams. And I remember, you know, watching these two teams against my Phillies. And then I remember Chris Carpenter in game five against Roy Holiday. And, you know, that still still bothers me to this day. Chris Carpenter, 
against Roy Holiday and Chris Carpenter putting in work. Putting in work. It worked. The Philadelphia Phillies shut them out. Shut them out. And, and beat the Phillies in the game five. One to nothing. One to nothing. And it was that was rough to see. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, the Cardinals are a tough baseball team. And, you know, some of the characters have changed, but, you know, it's just still a tough baseball team. And the Giants, Giants, same type of team. Remember the Giants and the Phillies in that series. And the Giants were just tough. They were just tough, 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 tough. Tough team. Tough team. And, and you know, the, you can't bet against these two teams. These two teams have that never-say-die attitude. You're, you're going to have to stomp on these teams to beat them. It's like when you kill a roach. I mean, a few years ago I called the St. Louis Cardinals the St. Louis Cockroaches because they were down to last outs and, and they were, you know, seemingly eliminated in certain situations and they always found a way to come back. And I called them the St. Louis Cockroaches because if if a nuclear bomb would have hit the United States of America, the only people that would have survived are the cockroaches and the St. Louis Cardinals because that's what type of team they were. They always survived. They kept surviving. They kept surviving. And the, the, they're no different. They're still tough. They're still a tough team. Still tough. And this is the fifth year in a row that either the Cardinals or the Giants have been in the NLCS. And and this will be the fifth year in a row that one of these two teams will represent the National League in the in the World Series. So these two teams find ways to get it done. You know, Albert Pujols goes. Cardinals, still the same. Don't miss a beat. They don't miss a beat. They keep going. And they replace them. And they keep going. They keep going. I mean, you look at how improbable. I mean, you beat Clayton Kershaw twice. I know Clayton Kershaw hasn't been big in the playoffs. I know he's had some struggles throughout the course of his career in the playoffs. But this dude was playing some, was pitching lights out. This dude was Won 21 games. This guy had an under two ERA coming into these playoffs. Under two. A lot of people believe he's the MVP. Obviously, he's going to win the Cy Young, but a lot of other people are saying he's the MVP of the National League. A lot of other people are saying that. And this guy, Clayton Kershaw, 21 wins, 1.77 ERA. So he shut teams down. Fast forward to the playoffs against the St. Louis Cockroaches, Cardinals, excuse me. He's 0-2, 7.82 ERA for Clayton Kershaw. So this guy... Just a total different picture in the playoffs. And seemingly cruising along, up 2 nothing. 
And then Adams hits that three-run shot, and the rest is history. Hits that three-run shot. I mean, this guy, Clayton Kershaw, one of five in the playoffs, 5.12 ERA in the playoffs. And you thought this was the year it would get better. You thought maybe this was the year he finally gets that monkey off his back. Doesn't happen. Monkey stays on his back. And the Dodgers get eliminated. Your best pitcher. Your best pitcher. Clayton Kershaw. And your Dodgers get eliminated. The Dodgers get eliminated. And you figured the Dodgers had a great shot to get to the World Series. Because guess what? Five-game series, you need three to win. Well, two of them is going to be pitched by a guy who was 21 and 6 in the regular season. Excuse me, 21 and 3 in the regular season. Under 2 ERA. You thought okay, there's there's no way you would think you would at least get one. You would think you would have gotten at least one if you're the Dodgers. But 0 and 2, 7.82 ERA, that's unexpected. But that's the power of Matt Adams and the St. Louis Cardinals. And it's funny, these two teams, similar in some respect, in terms of the, you know, these two teams' catchers, Yadier Molina, big-time catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, Buster Posey, big-time catcher for the San Francisco Giants, big-time catcher. Molina, Posey. You got it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And the Cardinals, they don't blow you away in terms of offense. They don't. They don't blow you away in terms of offense. You look at the Cardinals as a team, they don't really blow you away, period. They don't really blow you away. But this is a team that's steady. This is a team that seems to be, you know, seems to is able to replace who they need to replace. And keep it going. I mean, this team was 23rd in runs. 23rd in runs. So near the bottom in runs. But they find ways to get it done. So when I, when I look at this series, if you're the Cardinals, what do you make of Adam Wainwright? And is he going to be, is he healthy enough to make a difference? Is he healthy enough to make a difference for you? I mean, he's got got beat up a little bit in these playoffs. 12.46 ERA in these playoffs. He's got beaten up a little bit. Your best pitcher. Is your best pitcher ready to go? Gets Baumgartner and the San Francisco Giants. So if you're the Cardinals, that's that's something that's going to hurt. That's something that hurts. Not having your best having your best pitcher possibly not being at his best. That's going to be an issue if you're the Cardinals. That's going to be an issue. But I I, I look at this series and 
I'm afraid to bet against any of these teams. I'm afraid to pick any of these teams, pick against any of these teams. I really am. I'm afraid because I know the pedigree of these teams. I know what these teams can do. I know what these teams can do. I know that these teams and 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 what they've done. I know what these teams can do. I know what these teams have done over the years. There's a reason why these teams have been in World Series over the years. But I think I'm going to make my decision. I think I'm going with the San Francisco Giants. Pitching with the Giants, I think, is going to be the difference. Baumgartner being the more healthier pitcher than Wainwright, their ace, the staff ace. Jake Peavy pitching very well. He's been hot near the end of this season. I like the Giants. I think the Giants win this series, and I think the Giants win this series in six in San Francisco. Giants, Orioles in the World Series, and we'll see what happens with that. We'll see how that plays out. But, I mean, it's it's going to be great. The playoffs in baseball are always great, and it's going to be great, and they've been great to this point. Been a lot of great theater, been a lot of great things to watch. But we'll see what happens. I want to go to the NBA now. And, you know, as we know, the NBA has signed a new TV deal with TNT, with ESPN. And so the NBA is making money now. They triple, they triple their previous TV deal. Triple their previous TV deal. I mean, nine-year, $24 billion in media rights with ESPN and Turner Sports, $2.6 billion annually. So that's triple on what they used to make. That's triple on what they made. Triple. So that's a lot of money. And so with all that money now, that the NBA is making on the TV deal, well, NBA players are talking. LeBron James is talking. And, you know, he's thinking maybe in terms of max deals, well, it's time to get rid of max deals. It's time to get rid of it. There should not be a cap on how much these guys can make. Time to get rid of it. And here's the thing. There's no cap in baseball in terms of max deals. Granted, there's no salary cap, but there's no cap in in how much of a guy can make. Football, there's no guaranteed deals, but there's no cap on how much money a guy can make. There's not. There's not at all. So I'm I'm looking at this and, you know, I'm thinking LeBron James might be on to something. Why why should these guys be limited on how much money they can make? We don't ever have the same argument with the owners. We don't say, well, the NBA is getting all this money for TV rights, TV, you know, TV rights. Why should the NBA get all this money? Why should the NBA be allowed to get $24 billion? That should be capped. Maybe the NBA should only be allowed to get $10 billion ever. I mean, 
that's essentially what we're saying here. I mean, it's okay for the owners to make as much money as possible. As soon as a player tries to mar- to maximize his value, as soon as a player tries to maximize his value, as soon as a player, as soon as a player tries to get as much money as possible, we start to criticize him. When is enough enough? That's the question we always say. When is enough enough? Well, this is America. And last I checked, this is a capitalistic economy, a capitalistic society, where in capitalism, you try to maximize your value. If somebody's willing to buy it, you're going to sell it. And depending on how much people are willing to buy, it's depending on how much you're going to sell. So if you're willing, if you're willing, if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to sell and sell and people are willing to buy and buy, guess what? You're going to try to maximize it. This is capitalism. So I don't. I I I have a problem with people who say, "Well, enough is enough." You know, when then you know Kevin Garnett when he had that big deal back years ago. That's when the outcry started to come. Was there a similar outcry when A. Rod got his two hundred and fifty-two million? Some, but there is the reality. And here's the reality of those long-term contracts and baseball. Well, there's a lot of buyer's remorse. I would say there's a lot more buyer's remorse in baseball than than basketball. You can argue Max deal for Joe Johnson, some buyer's remorse in that. But Alex, but but uh, Ryan Howard, his big deal, buyer's remorse for the Phillies. Alex Rodriguez, buyer's remorse for the Rangers and for the Rangers and Yankees. Buyer's remorse. Barry Zito and that big deal he got, buyer's remorse. Albert Pujols, buyer's remorse. There's a lot of buyer's remorse out there. There is a lot of buyer's remorse out there. So the point I'm trying to make is this. This is the point I'm trying to make. These guys, yes, here's the thing. And I've been looking at it. Here's the thing. Here are guys, to me, who who deserve... Well, Michael Jordan, remember, remember a few years ago, Michael Jordan was getting like $30-something million a year. Here's the guys, if we were going to put that, a guy getting $30, $40 million a year or a guy getting a 250 to $300 million contract, at this point in time, there's only two players that I would say legitimately are deserving of that type of money. Two guys that I believe are deserving of that type of money. LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Everybody else, get in line. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, those guys are 250 to $300 million players if we were looking at it from baseball terms, if we're looking at it from a baseball point of view. Those guys are big-time players. Those guys are franchise guys. 
you know, I think those guys are the guys, the guys who who deserve that kind of money. Well, I mean, obviously, you always run into a situation where, you know, guys who get that kind of money don't deserve it. And you're going to run into it. It's just the nature of the situation. You're going to run into it. I mean, you're running into it now where guys who are getting max contracts don't deserve it. Eric Bledsoe, you think he deserves that the kind of money he's getting? No, probably not. Juwan Howard, when he got that $100 million contract, did you think he deserved the kind of money he got? No, not really. Not at all. But the thing is, Kevin Garnett, looking back on it, he probably deserved it. He probably deserved it. And, you know, at that point, the NBA owners were looking for whatever. They were looking for outs. They were like, we can't do this. We can't continue to give these guys this kind of money, that kind of money. We can't do it. We've got to find a way. And, you know, the the fans, the fans, average Joes, the average Joes, well, average Joes, they see athletes making this kind of money. Well, those those average Joes start to complain a little bit. How, how those guys aren't worth that kind of money? Those guys aren't worth that kind of money? How are those guys getting that kind of money? Those guys don't deserve that kind of money? No way. But we never hear fans complain about the owners making the type of money they made. We don't hear fans complaining. We don't hear it. We don't hear fans doing it. And it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. These guys need to maximize their value. Owners are a different story. Their, Their situation is different. Totally different. Totally different. Owners, no one cares when they make the kind of money they're making. And then here's the thing with the owners. A lot of them come back, come from old money, money made in their family. Some, you know, there's some self-made ones along the way. But some came from, them from, from old money. And most of those guys are able to sustain they're probably going to be able to sustain for long periods of time. Well, athletes, they have a certain amount of time to make a certain amount of money. And once that certain amount of time is done, they're unable to make that certain type of money. you got to make the money that you need to make before you can't make it no more. And the moment you can't make it no more, now you're finding ways and they have to find ways to feed yourself, because you can't. The way you fed yourself, the way you fed yourself is by playing basketball. So my point is this. We never, ever, ever get the players, I mean the owners, I should say, for making the type of money they make. But we always, we always get on the owners, I mean the players, for making the type of money they make. We we always criticize the players for uh, for them wanting more money. Remember years ago, Latrell Sprewell turned down a three-year, $21 million deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and one of the reasons, his reasons for turning it down was, well, he has to feed his family. 
and we criticized him roundly. Roundly criticized him. Everybody criticized him. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Well, $21 million might feed your family, but maybe it doesn't feed his family. And that's his, that's his prerogative. He, he's allowed, if that's what he feels, that's what he feels. If he feels like that's enough to feed his family, then it's enough. But if he feels it's not enough to feed his family, then it's not enough. Enough then. So bottom line, you know, if, if he feels like it's not enough to feed his family, then it's not enough. But he, he's in the position to make the money that he can make. He should try to make as much money as possible. And every NBA player should try to make much as much money as possible. You might as well, because it's not going to be there forever. And when it's gone, it's gone. When 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 the past when when you're done, they're going to send you out to pasture. The moment that you're done, they're going to kick you out. They're going to kick you to the curb. They're going to kick kick you to the curb. The moment you're done, it's over. The moment you're done, you're gone. The moment you can't help them, the moment you can't help them, you're gone. And that's the bottom line. It really is. It really is. So maximize as much money, you know, maximize your potential. Get as much money as you can because the money won't be there. The money won't be there. That's just bottom line. That's just bottom line. The money won't be there. So make as much money as you can. So you won't have remorse. You don't want to have remorse. So I don't I don't blame LeBron James or any of these guys who believe, you know, that it's it's time to get rid of that max contract. It's time to get rid of max deals. And it's time for guys to be able to make what they can make. Whatever that market value says you can make is what you can make. That's the bottom line. It's not greed. And you can and people call it greed. No, it's not greed at all. It's you maximizing your potential, understanding your value, and doing what you gotta do to maximize that value. When we come back, we're gonna be joined by one of the stars of Survivor's Remorse, which airs on stars, Jesse Usher. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's that Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) Okay. 
Hey, what that. up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. We're about to bring in a guy now. I mean, some good news for this guy. Survivor's Remorse picked up for a second season. So that's always an exciting, that's always great news. And anytime you're working... That's always great news, and I mean one episode in the in the books, and they're picked up already for a second season. We're gonna bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of Survivor's Remorse, Jesse Usher. Jesse, how are you? I'm great, man. Thank you for the intro. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Of course, man. Not a problem. Yeah, like you said, man, one episode in, and we just got the pickup earlier today, so I can't even explain, like, the feeling that we have right now. It's outrageous. So let me let me ask you this. When you heard the news that the second season was picked up, what was your reaction? What would you do? Look, I was, uh, I was, like, in the shower, man. I was chilling, and, like, when I got out, I just, like, someone was like, you know what, check your phone. I went over to check my phone. I had, like, 17 missed calls, like, nine voice messages, a bunch of text messages, emails were blowing up, and I was like, what the heck is going on? So I, I checked, like, one message, and it was from Michael Malley, our showrunner, and, like, all he said was, hey, Jess, it's Michael Malley, season two. And he hung up, and I was like, oh! <laughs> I was just, like, running around my house, man. You don't even know. I was so excited. Like, uh, we, we kind of, we figured, like, we were like, man, you know what? There's no way they're not going to do a second season on this. Like, I mean, the work is just... The work was, it's, it's there, you know what I mean? You can see it. We put so much into it. We just, we had high hopes. So For we sure. were kind of expecting to get the call, but, like, when you get it, it's a whole another ball game, you know what I mean? For sure. I mean, obviously big news for you guys. And, you, you know, you continue Huge to work, news. man. Continue to make that money. Continue to, That's to, what to it's do all big about. things. For sure. That's what it's all Let about. Let me ask you this now. I mean, LeBron James is involved with this project, and it premiered last Saturday. For those who have yeah. not seen it, Tell us about it. <laughs> okay, well, um, it's about a young basketball player who gets, like, his first major contract in the pros. I mean, he's been in the pros for a year already, but, um, you know, he had to kind of make a name for himself. He got his team to uh, to the finals, although they didn't win. That's, like, the backstory. But, um, you know, he, he made a name for himself. Now people know who he is. So Atlanta drafts him now, and they give him a max contract. So now he's got all this new fame and fortune, and he moves his family to a new city, and they got to just deal with this new lifestyle. And uh, also it's about, you know, the balance that they don't want to leave behind anybody. They, you know, they kind of feel, well, at least Cam does. the main. That's who I play. I play Cam Calloway. He's mm-hmm. a basketball player. He feels bad about, you know, a lot of what he feels like he's leaving behind. He doesn't necessarily want to, like, you know, you, you kind of just be stunting on his friends, like that kind of thing. So For sure. there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of what goes on into um, making it out of, you know, humble beginnings that a lot of people don't even consider. Everybody wants to be rich and famous, but you never necessarily think about how your family's going to feel when you're, you know, doing all these things that, like, nobody can really take part in. And then the fact that a lot of people try to make you feel guilty for, for getting to this new place. So that's basically what it's about is, you know, the family trying to adjust to this new lifestyle and balance what used to be. How does role come about for you? Um, you know, it was just like any other audition process, man. My my agent called me, and uh, they sent me some information, and they asked me if I was interested. I said yes. So uh, this was before I really knew, you know, who was behind the project. I didn't know LeBron was a part of the project. Um, I just knew the name and pretty much my character's name. I got a little short breakdown. 
So I read it, and um, and I was like, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. And then after that, before, like a day before my first audition, I got a list of the executive producer, and I was like, oh, LeBron's on it. But I didn't, I still never really, you know, it didn't pay too much mind to that. I was like, okay, you know, that's pretty cool, LeBron's in it. I don't really know what that means for the project. I don't really know how that's going to work out, you know. But uh, I was like, yeah, sure. So I'm still, I'm still interested. Um, after I did like six auditions, man, over a process of about two months, and I finally got a little bit more information, and I got some some details on these guys who are really behind this project. I was, you know, I was gung ho, man. It's whatever I got to do to to be a part of this thing. Just let me know. So I didn't even mind the six auditions. I would do six more, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to one of the stars of Survivor's Remorse, Jesse Usher. I mean, Survivor's Remorse. Just got a second season. News came today that there will be a second yeah. season of Survivor's Remorse. Jesse, I want to ask you this, man. You're only 22 years old. Do, do you feel right. like Cam on some level? I mean, signing your max man. deal, if you will? <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, we get asked that question a lot. Everybody's like, you know, do you feel like you have Survivor's Remorse? You know, how does it feel? If you, you kind of think you and Cam have the same, you know, walking the same path. And to a certain extent, I mean, Cam just got, you know, this huge contract and his life is changing. And in that way, I do feel the same because, I mean, things are changing so fast and people haven't even really got a chance to see the show before we know we're getting ready to go back to work. And you know what I mean? That's, that's of course, going to just change things even more. But I don't really have, you know, like Survivors and more. Cam got $100 million, man. When I get there, I'll let you know. You know what I mean? I'll let you know, like, yeah, man, it's crazy. But right now, I'm just, I'm the same old dude just ready to go back to work. Honestly, that's all it is. For sure. I mean, ha- has your life changed at all? I mean, how, how much has it changed? Um, well, I mean, my family back east from the – I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 11 years old, and, you know, that was 11 years ago now. And they, they've been treating me different ever since, not in, like, a bad way. They've been like, oh, Mr. Hollywood superstar, this and that, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so they're still the same, so that hasn't changed at all. Um, it is a little different being on a show that gets so much attention – um, you know, from people that you don't know and just being, you know, just driving down the street and you see posters everywhere, like that kind of thing, that that is a little different. It's a little weird. And, uh, of course, a lot of people who probably would have paid me no mind or, you know, all of a sudden want to be friends and this and that, want to hold a conversation, that's a little strange and something I'm not really interested in for the most part. But, uh, but you know, it comes with the territory, and I knew that getting into this. So, it, it, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to it, but... um it hasn't really seemed like it's been that much of a change, maybe right. because I've sort of been expecting it to happen okay. eventually, you know. <laughs> but like you, eventually, you've always, I kind of figured. I'm just looking at your bio. You've always been ahead of the game. I mean, you graduated high school at the age of 15. I mean, yeah, man. You, you've always <laughs> been ahead of the game. What is it, man? You're, you're a smart dude. I, You know what? I was just set. I had great parents who, like, really set me up success like in every way shape or form no matter what road I took whether it was acting or if I just you know I wanted to be a biologist or whatever it didn't matter they were just going to make sure that I had the best opportunities you know and that I could like really really get my get my nails in and like really dig into whatever kind of you know whatever road I took so they um they set me up and I owe it I owe it all to them I mean I put in a lot of work and this and that but without them setting me up the way they did I, I wouldn't be here right now so you know, it's it's mostly that, honestly. You know, they they took me out of public school. They put me in, you know, special schooling where I could 
manage my own curriculum and moving my own pace, and that just allowed wow. me to graduate high school at 15. So it's no point in wasting time, you know what I mean? You can get it done, get it done. For sure, that's amazing, man. I graduated at the age of 19, so, you know what, I mean, that's amazing. You're getting, <laughs> hey, you're, man, you're you getting know what? Done. We, we all move at different paces. You're still doing your For thing, sure. too, so, hey. I want to move on the usher pace. <laughs> <laughs> I like that pace a lot move, better. I want to move at the LeBron pace. Let's listen to Okay. It. All right. Fair enough. You know I guess there's I mean? always Let's a pace. There's, there's always, always a better a pace, pace, right? There, there's right. always a better pace. We're talking to one of the stars of Survivor from Morse, Jesse Usher. And, and, Jesse, let me ask you this now. We we look at the show. And one thing about the show, one thing I like about the show and just reading about it and look, and watching the show is that you guys are not afraid to touch some tough storylines. I mean, you guys – do an Adrian Peterson or have an Adrian Peterson like storyline coming up on yeah. this show where your your mother, uh, Tashina Arnold, who we all remember as Pam O. Martin many years ago, well, she <laughs> raised you and, and did Adrian Peterson like things in, in the midst of raising you. Talk about that. Talk about that episode and talk about in general how you guys like to touch on issues with this show. Absolutely, man. Look, I'll tell you like this. Our writers and our producers and everybody and stars, they, they're, like, wide open when it comes to these subject matters. And Mike O'Malley is just fearless, man. You know, he, he will walk into the room and let us know. You say, listen, this ain't going to be pretty, but y'all better be ready for what's going to happen. And, you know, we'll read a script and we'll just be blown away like, man, they're going to let us say this kind of stuff on TV? And he's like, I don't care if they're not going to let us say it. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to film it. And we'll send it to them, and we'll see what they say after that when this is the only material they have. And, I mean, he's just, you know, he's that kind of guy, and he he knows that it's going to get a reaction. It doesn't matter if it's going to be a good or a bad one. It's going to get a reaction. It's going to make some noise, and that's what it's about. You know, we got somebody's got to shake it up a little bit, so it might as well be us. For sure. But, um, For sure. You, you know, like like you said, there's there's an episode where, you know, my mother, uh, she's on a, a, a red carpet, and she's talking about raising me. And, uh, you know, the subject of child discipline comes up. And she doesn't necessarily say, you know, she was abusing me or that kind of thing, but she definitely says she was physically disciplining her children and she doesn't have a problem admitting it. And, you know, she makes a, a point of look how good Cam came out. And then all of a sudden, you know, things get a little crazy. People start believing that, oh, you know, if Cam turned out this way because his mom beat him, then I should do the same with my kids. And then, you know, slippery slope from there. But, um, yeah, man. It just so happened that right around the time that this episode was going to release that this Adrian Peterson thing blew up, and now that's all mm-hmm. in the media. So, it, you know, the show and then what's happening in the news seems to go hand in hand. But we did that months ago and we had no idea that this would ever happen. Wow. Just, you know, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately for Adrian Peterson and, you know, his household that it had to be tied to, to something like this and that, you know, that had to blow up in his face the way that it did. But, you know, mm-hmm. we all have a... You know, we all have a different way of managing our household. Some things are wrong, some things are right. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You got a great cast here, man. Rodrigo Lee, Tashina oh, yeah, Arnold, my man. Mike Epps. Mike Epps, excuse me <laughs> yeah. to name a few. How was it being on yeah. set with, with those talented people? It's crazy. Like the energy that they bring is is different than you know. You you. I've been on some shows where we had a great cast and like you know, with the cast really bonded together and we were all really close. And, um, you know, we could work well off of each other. But then when you have that with seasoned actors who have, like, been in the game for so long, who are going to bring something that 
you know, that you're really not going to get anywhere else. Like, they found their niche, and they're going to bring that to the show. It's completely different. It just changes your whole view on, like, this, this art that we're, you know, that we're performing. And it's like, man, Tashina comes in, she's just outrageous. She's huge. Like, her presence is just out of this world, and it's such a pleasure to be working with her. And, like, Mike Epps comes in, and he does his thing, and he's, incredibly funny like effortlessly you know what i mean you just there's so many lessons to be had just from sitting back and just watching them be themselves it just it i don't know it changes things man it's different it's it's crazy and it's an incredible blessing i'm so thankful to have these guys around with me although you know i felt like with the material that we have it wouldn't have mattered man <laughs> whoever they put in this show if, if i wasn't cam somebody else's cam the show would still be great but i'm i'm very thankful to be a part of it for sure, and don't sell yourself short. This show, you're one of the big, you know, you're one of the talents on this show, man. You're a talented guy. Oh, thank you, thank you, man. I appreciate you. How much I really did you do. see LeBron thank James? You. No problem. How much did I you see, see LeBron James? Did you see him at all on set? I saw LeBron one time at the Los Angeles premiere. That okay. was it. Um, when we were filming, like a lot of people, <laughs> I got to remind people of this. When we were filming our show, LeBron was doing his day job, you know, the finals. Okay. He was, was kind of working. So <laughs> we were, we would literally, like, be on set. They'd yell cut or, like, we'd have a break or something like that, and we would just go turn on the TV and watch it play. You know what I mean? It was going at the exact same time. So we weren't even mad that, like, he never made it to set. Like, uh, we, we heard things from him. They would, like, send him dailies, which is, you know, like, cuts from the day. Okay. And, uh, you know, he would, like, watch an episode when they, like, cut a rough one together, that kind of thing. And we'd hear feedback, like, straight from him. So that was good, um, you know, that kind of thing. But it was a distant relationship. We never actually got a chance to, like, sit and, like, talk and shake hands and that kind okay. of thing up until up until the season was done. Okay. We're talking to one of the stars of Survivor's Remorse, which airs on Stars each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Jesse yeah. Usher, and, and Jesse, look at looking at this whole situation now. Looking at this whole show after doing this show, did it change uh-huh. your perception about professional athletes and the life of professional athletes? Not really. I mean, there's a lot, okay. a lot that's in the show that I, you know, you kind of figured. There's a lot of stuff that we hear. Um, you know, just from, like, word of mouth that you see on television, you hear stories about that you kind of, you know, we all kind of get this idea of what it's like, the lifestyle that they live. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I I can realize, a lot of people don't realize this, they kind of put them on a pedestal, but if you can honestly just see them as regular human beings who just, you know, their job just so happens to be basketball, you know, right. you, you, there's not a whole lot of surprises that's really going to come. You know, they're going to make the same mistakes that anybody else is going to make. They're going to be living somewhat the same lifestyle that everybody else is going to be living. They just, you know, they may have a little bit more money. They, they're they a little more well-known, that kind of thing. But there's it's really not a whole lot, di- you know, a whole lot of difference there. And then, um, you know, I, 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 I talked to, I had known a few, I had talked to a few before, you know, I met a couple of professional athletes before so I kind of had an idea of you know what it was like you know they would tell me some stuff and you know like that kind of thing we just go back and forth just shooting just shooting conversation but um yeah I mean there's there's a couple things that I don't want to give away too much there's a couple things in the series and you know knowing where these stories come from um you know we have LeBron and we have Maverick for authenticity mm-hmm. like we know that this isn't just straight out of the air you know just having that in the back of your mind and you like hear or you you there's little subtle things in the in the script that I'll see and I'll be like dang man I wonder if that 
nah, you know what I mean? <laughs> so just, you never, you never really know. Like, I, I don't want to say a whole lot because I want people to have those same moments that I had when they watched the show. Okay. But um, sure. you know, there's there's a couple things in there that really that might throw you a little bit, and then at the same time, once you really think about it, you'll be like, all right, that's actually understandable. Okay, all right. Now you are from Mar- the Maryland area. You are a Washington yeah. Wizards fan. Hypothetically yeah. speaking, Wizards, Cavaliers, Eastern Conference Finals, who would you root for? Man, I got to go with my Wizards. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I can't jump shit because I work for LeBron now. I can't do that. You know what I mean? If anything, that makes it better. I get to talk trash if we win, but, you know, I, and here's hoping. <laughs> Let's just keep our fingers crossed and see. Because I've seen, uh, like, a scrimmage practice thing that LeBron and his boys were doing, and they looking, they're looking pretty great. But uh, if we made it all the way to the finals, I'd, I'd be happy. And, if you know, if the Cavs made it all the way to the finals, I'd still be happy. So, luckily for me, I get to, I get to root for two teams, but the Wizards always come first. Oh, but that's your money, man. You're, you're messing with your money a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Look, LeBron's going to make his regardless, and so is Jesse. All right? You happy about the direction of the Wizards at this point? I mean, you know, they made a nice playoff I, run last season. You know what? Season. I am, man. We're making a nice little a nice little progressive comeback right now. You know, like we, we surprised. Honestly, I was a little surprised last season with how far we got. Um, we kind of like came out of nowhere, and we're we're doing the same thing this season. Like I feel like a lot of people are going to underestimate us, and we got to, you know, there's going to be some pleasant surprises for Wizards fans and for other people not so much, but we're not worried about them. But, um, you know, I also heard like there's a little rumor, there's a little bird around there, and Kevin Durant is talking about maybe coming home. You know, he's sure. from that area too. Man, if for KD sure. comes, then it's a wrap. You know, we're shutting it down. It don't matter who you are. But so if KD I, you know, comes, you better than Cleveland? You better than Cleveland? You better than LeBron? Yo, well, I, I wouldn't say all that, but I'm just saying we'd have a nice squad if, if KD okay. came back. You, you know, we'd have pretty great chances. Okay, we're talking to one of the stars of Survivor's Remorse, Jesse Usher. Jesse, what else is going on with you, man? Survivor's Remorse doing big-time things. What else is going on with Jesse Usher? Oh, man, I'm I'm just trying to, like, keep my life <laughs> the way that it was beforehand, you know what I mean? Just reminding people I'm still the same guy. But, you know, there's there's some stuff that I want to do, like, on my own. There's, like, some projects I want to get going. Um, thinking about maybe building, like, a web series, just, like, a little comedy okay. thing just for me and, you know, some of my friends in the industry. We want to just get together and just have fun, you know, together when you have that opportunity, you might as well take it because it doesn't, it honestly doesn't come very often. But, um, you know, it's like little things like that. I love to get off the ground. And, uh, my sister has a fashion line called Iantia and I'm just like really getting behind her and like pushing her a lot. You know what I mean? Like she designed pretty much everything that you see me in (laughs) when I step out. (laughs) Okay. So I'm I'm really pushing for her. We're kind of like working together, and uh, I wanna I wanna like partner up with her and do some things, and you know maybe make a couple designs myself. Who knows? But right now, man, that's about it. Honestly, just doing the fashion thing and trying to build a couple of shows myself, and just see what see where it goes. It's, I mean, you you're you're doing it, man. You're doing it. I know you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect oh, with yeah. Jesse Usher on Twitter? Yeah, man, please do. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram actually is the same. It's B underscore Jesse T. 
or you could just search like Jesse Usher, Jesse T Usher on either one, and it should pop up. But um, yeah, man, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram. I, I I'm pretty good at getting back to people. I'm getting better. It's it's kind of timely, but you know, I'm working on it. Well, I, I, I see your Twitter, man. I see you flexing some muscles there. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cam Calloway got to stay in the gym. So especially now it's the second season. Sure. I just left actually about thirty minutes ago to an hour ago. I was in the gym um, earlier today with my boys. Man, we're back at it. You know, it's no days off. No days <laughs> off. Well, I mean, you know, you're 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 doing big things with Survivor's Remorse. You're showing your body yeah, on Twitter, you. man. The females is probably coming right now. Man, they they try. I don't know. I'm trying not to pay these girls no mind, man. Remember, like, some of these gotta, girls they loyal. Like the, I think I think the exactly right. You never know, but uh, I think the key thing that a lot of people forget is just surround yourself with like people that you trust and that you know have your best interests at heart, man. And then you you really don't have to worry about the shady females and this and that. You know all right. the problems that a lot of people have. Like that usually comes when. You know, people just end up trying to take this this whole new lifestyle like on their own. You know, and that's that's honestly right. something that I'll give to Cam. He keeps his family close, and they watch after him the same way mine that watches after me. So you know, there shouldn't be no slip up. And, um, and LeBron James, you can argue that he did the same thing. Exactly. Much, exactly. On some level. You know. Yeah, he. Um, we actually at the premiere they did a panel with like LeBron was on it, Maverick was on it, uh, O'Malley was on, Tom Warner was on it, and they asked LeBron, you know a story, well, not a story, but he told a story after they asked him a similar question about, you know, having his his day one guys still around him, you know, his family and keeping him that close. And honestly, that's, you know, that's like the core of his success. He he hired his best friends to manage his life. You know, it's like a lot For of people sure. feel like it's your career, but when you're LeBron James, your career is your life. You know, basketball sure. and all the business adventures that he that he takes on, that's his life now. And that's the same thing for me. You know, I'm, I am I do the acting thing, and then everything I do on the side that surrounds that is, is my life. And, it, you know, it's all one and the same. It's all one career path. And the people that are a part of it with me are all family and close, close friends. I mean, guys, I've known for like 10 years. You know what I mean? For sure. And we, we, we're running it together. It's not just me. That's for sure. Fans, make sure you check this man out each and every Saturday on Stars, 9 o'clock Eastern. In Pacific, it's survivor, Survivor's Remorse. It's Jesse Usher. Jesse, pleasure talking yes. to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man, whenever. Take care. Whenever. Thank you. Nice talking to you, fellas. You, you too. Take care, man. All right. Bye, man. Jesse Usher, one of the stars of Survivor's Remorse, airs each and every Saturday, 9 o'clock Eastern and Pacific on Stars. Make sure you check it out, big-time show. I want to thank Jesse Usher for stopping by. I also want to thank Willie Rofe for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for it Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash go for it For everybody here at go for it we hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.